Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dershim and I have a great show for you tonight and a wonderful guest for the second half. We have Judge Ken Starr joining us for the second half, getting ready to discuss his new book, Religious Liberty, and a little bit of personal information that we have queued up to ask him about. So stay tuned for that. But first, we have officially entered springtime, and what a wonderful season it is. We've been enjoying the the warmer weather, the outdoors, a little bit of the Easter break, and springtime is often thought of a chance for renewal and rebirth, but it's also a chance for birth, and that brings us to our first topic of having children. Now, maybe it's a coincidence that there are many babies that are born in spring. Obviously, there are kids born every day all over the world. But springtime is actually what we're going to talk about in terms of the relative cost of having children. Because let's face it, kids are expensive. But a new law in Utah is recognizing that they are very expensive before they're even born. Now, one of the most important questions that married couples have is when do we have kids? Uh, what is going to be the timing? I mean, whose job gives the best maternity leave, paternity leave? Who uh, lives near their parents or can have parents come and visit? They can help out with childcare, with babysitting while mom and dad are both at work. Well, in Utah, they thought this through a little more carefully with respect to couples that are not married and are not necessarily either in a relationship because the questions are very different for couples that conceive a child who are not together. The answers are very different, by the way, as well, which is why Utah came up with a law that requires new fathers, if they're not in the relationship with the mothers, to be liable for up to half of the pregnant mother's expenses pre-birth. Now, that, of course, would include medical expenses, um, cost of delivery. I mean, there are so many things that go into being pregnant that we don't really talk a lot about. And Very few states have actually legalized this type of care, um, and we really haven't talked about it until just lately. So this new law in Utah will require biological fathers to pay half of the medical expenses for any pregnancy and birth, and this really kind of has stirred the debate about what are different states' maternal health care policies. So now, Larry, I know we've talked about this, and and really the the genesis here is to, to foster a culture of life and a culture of quality of life. No new mother should have to to shoulder the bill and choose between health and wealth. She should get both. But what exactly, what kind of ramifications will a law like this have? And can we expect to see something like this in California? I think that uh, the law might have the effect of making men more careful about entering into casual romantic relationships and make them more responsible in their behavior by financially empowering women in crisis pregnancies. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, this could apply to, to, it's in Utah, but it could apply to California too. It, it might spread all over the United States. 
And some people are saying that Utah's new law could be part of a winning new strategy uh, for the pro-life people as far as making people think twice. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because a lot of people have talked about that in Utah and other places. I mean, this has really just caught fire. Everyone's talking about it in, in all 50 states. But they've been talking about the fact that this law wasn't necessarily meant to be um, anti-abortion, although that's what many people hope is the result. But it really is just pro-responsibility uh, and making sure that women have access to the best health care while they are pregnant. Um, however, I do have to say as a practical reality, that's all a new mom wants to think about, right? Taking the, suing the father. I mean, that's not the way many women want to begin a co-parenting relationship is through a lawsuit. Um, not to mention the costs that are sometimes associated with hiring a lawyer, although there certainly are clinics and people that are lining up to to handle some of these cases on a pro bono basis um, because it's the right thing to do. Many new moms still don't want to be running back and forth to court. They would much rather these options be available willingly and earlier. Uh, and I will also mention, though, by the way, this law does not take effect until paternity is established. This is by no means meant to have um, fathers uh, paying for kids that are not theirs. And would it work out, Wendy, that you'd have to bring the person to court to enforce this? Is that how it would probably work out? Well, that well, that is the problem with many of these kinds of laws that do require a judicial ruling, which, which means that couples have to go to court. And I'll use that term couple lightly, because like you pointed out, um, it, it's talking about paternity. It's not necessarily requiring that a couple be in a relationship. So you are correct that the reason that it's generated some buzz, the talk of this new law, is precisely that people really should think through entering into this kind of um, relationship or having unprotected sex where you'd be having this conversation to begin with sure. about the costs of pregnancy. So it's not surprising that um, this law has been talked about as much as it has. And by the way, there are several other states that already did have laws like this. But the fact that we're really discussing it and other states are watching, they're probably going to be seeing how many women actually avail themselves of this law. Because simply by putting a law on the books doesn't necessarily mean that the Utah courts are going to be clogged with lawsuits by new mothers seeking to establish half of the pre-birth costs from the biological fathers. That's, that is really fascinating, too. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to, to, this is kind of jumping to a different topic, bring out a quote, uh, kind of a silver lining quote. Uh, if uh, do, do we want to discuss anything else on this law, Wendy? Or No, Larry, okay. I think I'll give you a better segue. So springtime <laughs> is a time for birth and rebirth, and it's also a time to revisit really the, the genesis of this show, which is headlines with the silver lining. And on that note, Larry, I understand you have a, couple of good stories. Maybe you can narrow down one or two for us in this first half before we have our esteemed guests join us. Right. Well, the, the good quote is, uh, this is from a gentleman by the name of Oren Woodward, and it's more powerful than the will to win is the courage to begin. Now, you think that would be a brand new quote out of maybe the, the last decade or something, but this goes way back, way back in the first and second centuries. There was a Greek Stoic philosopher and his name was Epictetus, Epictetus, I think I'm pronouncing that right. And he said, first say to yourself, what would you be? And then do what you have to do. And basically, in, in a way, he's saying, figure out what you want to do with your life and then do it. And just, you know, take those steps to, to realize what you want to be and so forth. Uh, but I wanted to t- 
talk that's sort of what we hope our kids do when they're in high school and sometimes even younger nowadays isn't it it is sort of sort of brainstorm in this day and age you know larry i don't know about you but when i was in high school i was never required to to write down what i wanted to do for a living but yet that's what we ask our kids they're eight years old and we say what do you want to be i know and it's some of them (laughs) now say firefighters or whatever right they should probably say um i don't know can you please ask me once i have completed all my general education requirements and my college degree and then then maybe they'll have it figured out right but anyway i digress go ahead yeah and anyway (laughs) i wanted to get into some a little bit of a heavy topic here and this one is kind of like my opinion piece so it doesn't reflect the opinions of the station nor my uh, wonderful co-host winnie patrick in fact she probably doesn't even know what i'm going to talk about now but briefly (laughs) I'm talking about what's changing in our society. And I just want people to realize that under socialism slash communism, there's no middle class. You basically have the ruling class of planners and you have the working class of serfs, the people that do all the work. And that, that's basically it. And I think what we may be seeing, and this is my opinion only, that some of our elites seem to be cloaking their consolidation of power by bringing up such things as saving the planet or eliminating racism. But in my opinion, that could be kind of a moral masquerade as they're flying around in their jet planes, preaching to the rest of us. And people should look this name up. There's a gentleman by the name of Klaus Schwab, and that's with a K, K K-L-A-U-S, Schwab, S-C-H-W-A-B. He's the current head of the World Economic Forum, and he's a heavy roller. He's got a lot of money, got a lot of power. And he's promoting this so-called Great Reset, And he says, and you can look this up, the Great Reset, under the Great Reset, no one will own anything and they will be happier for it. And so it's the elimination of private property. And uh, I just had this observation, too. Could we be going through what's called uh, a bloodless coup? Uh, and basically, we got the capital surrounded by barbed wire, razor wire fence. We, uh, we've lost control totally of our southern border. And we're getting executive orders left and right. And what's interesting, could there be a shadow government running things? Because I'm not totally convinced that uh, our dear president is writing all these executive orders or possibly has even read them. And that's my opinion. But anyhow, uh, just something to think about because we are under... um, we are going through a, a, a change for sure. And it was Obama who promised us back in a speech in Missouri on October 30th, 2008, that we are on the cusp of a historic presidential of uh, fundamentally transforming the United States of America. So what did he mean by that? That's that's a pretty heavy statement for somebody who became president and was president for eight years. So just something for us to think about. And I'm glad you um, got all that out, Larry, because as we like to say, we are the cloud and the silver lining here on Today with Dr. Wendy. And uh, let me pull us out of the hole. I think those are great observations, and I think that they need to be said, and I think you need to make them. But getting back to the theme of springtime and renewal, one of the other things that I'll say has been the silver lining of much of what you've mentioned is there are both Democrats and Republicans on on both sides of this debate actually finding that there are so many different things they want to work together on. Um, I mean, many Democrats, they work hard for their money, too. So uh, at the very least, there is always so much that unites us um, that we continue to work forward with. So uh, that, that, I suppose, is a silver lining as we learn more about, especially as we come out of the pandemic business-wise. But um, anyway, folks, don't touch that dial. We're going to take a very short commercial break. But when we return, you are going to meet one of the most famous attorneys and judges in the country who has just come out with a great new book you are all going to want to read. We will be back in a flash. 
News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. You've seen him on TV. You've read about him in the news because not only of the famous cases he's worked on, but the great causes that he undertakes. He's on Fox News and numerous talk shows because of his amazing in-depth knowledge of all things legal. Larry, who do we have with us today? Yes, Wendy. Ken Starr has had a distinguished career in academia, the law, and public service. Currently, he's of counsel at Lanier Law Firm, and he served the president and chancellor of Baylor University and dean of the Pepperdine School of Law. He's argued 36 cases before the U.S. Supreme Court, including during his service there as U.S. Solicitor General. He served in the United States uh, Circuit Court for the District of Columbia, and he's uh, got such a distinguished career, as I mentioned. He's been appoint- he was appointed to serve as independent counsel for five investigations. Uh, investigations was probably best known for the independent counsel work he did between 1994 and 1999 when he headed up the Whitewater investigation that led to the impeachment of U.S. President Bill Clinton and also for serving as President Trump's defense team uh, during or or on that team during his first uh, impeachment. And so he's also done, he's uh, written a number of books, uh, First Among Equals, The Supreme Court in American Life, also one called Contempt, a memoir of the Clinton investigation. And now he's got a brand new book out. It's called Religious Liberty in Crisis, Exercising Your Faith in the Age of Uncertainty. Welcome to the program, Ken. Hey, thank you, Larry. And thank you, Dr. Wendy. It's so good to be with you. So, Ken, let me just uh, ask a a very endearing um, personal question that we have here. You've done so much personally, professionally, I mean, just all on the public stage. And we could spend the whole rest of the day just talking about all the great things you've done. But I found it just fascinating and very, uh, very endearing and special that you actually sold Bibles door to door to earn money for college. So it's, I mean, here you actually have a background like so many of our listeners um, that led to to really where you are today. And one of my other um, favorite little tidbits about you that I don't know if our listeners remember, although I assume most of them do, is that you actually shared the title of Time Magazine's Man of the Year Award in 1998 with none other than Bill Clinton whose impeachment trial you, of course, led as independent counsel. So I always like to say uh, each of you earned that distinction for, (laughs) shall we say, different reasons. (laughs) But we have you here tonight to talk about your new book, and we would love to turn it over and hear a little bit about what inspired you to write this latest book, Ken. I felt the pressing need to talk about our first freedoms uh, I started writing it during the pandemic when it seemed as if all bets were off. The freedoms that we long had cherished and understood were suddenly up for grabs and most powerfully illustrated by the church closing cases. It's a book about who we are as a free people and how we stand up for our freedoms in a time of crisis, even in a pandemic when governors like the governor of California, the governor of New York, and several other governors 
are just saying, we are going to have to, for public health reasons, say no or virtually no to worship services or to severely limit and restrict them. Yeah, in the book, Ken, you spend the last chapter is called Cancel Culture. So how can we, as Friends of Liberty, fight back? And how can Americans protect their rights of religious freedom and take a more active role in advancing the cause of liberty? Well, there's such a good, a huge torrent of good news. There's too much bad news in the world. There's always that. But there's very good news. And one of the causes for hope is the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Yes, courts, even in San Diego County and Orange County, sometimes get it wrong. Yes, even the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco uh, frequently gets it wrong. But the Supreme Court of the United States almost always gets it right. And, you know, we saw that with now uh, home church. How precious is home church to believers that you can gather with your neighbors, and especially during the time of pandemic, and you might not be comfortable in a large worship service, assuming that it's permitted by Caesar, <laughs> right, by the, by the governor. Right. <laughs> and so here, uh, late at night on a Friday night, the Supreme Court of the United States was a unanimous, no, I wish it had been, said, no, Ninth Circuit, you were wrong. Governor, you're wrong. We're going to allow these uh, home worship services to continue. And that's just an illustration of the power and the force of the principles of freedom, freedom of conscience, the freedom to worship, to, the freedom to act on the basis of your deeply held beliefs that the Supreme Court of the United States is upholding again and again and again. Now, what can we do? This book is designed so that we can all, in 170 pages, say, you know, I know a little something about this subject. We don't just have to say, well, in my opinion, or I have a different perspective. You can ground yourself in the six great principles of religious liberty, and this isn't Aristotle or Plato (laughs) or a Christian philosopher, Thomas Aquinas. These are principles that are embedded in the constitutional order in our precious sweet land of liberty, and you'll be able to speak into the marketplace of ideas, and you'll also learn, hey, here's some stories that you can tell, just as our Lord spoke in parables. You can speak in stories and say, well, let me tell you the story of, and it's a real-life story with a very happy storybook ending, and again, not infrequently in favor of religious liberty by a nine-to-nothing vote. This is cause for celebration. Sometimes we just, we're unaware of it, doesn't get publicized enough. Can I give a quick example? Sure. Oh, yes, please. Okay. Here's, and, and I talk about this in the book under the first principle, which is autonomy. Autonomy means, Caesar, keep your hands off. This is church business. You're not going to tell us who our preacher, our minister, our pastor, our rabbi is going to be. You, you go, okay, we agree with that. But, okay, you're now trying to apply wonderful laws, the civil rights laws, in the context of our Christian school. I'm so sorry. You shouldn't be here. We should be able to determine who our teachers are going to be, even if that teacher who's been fired, claims that she was the victim of some form of discrimination that would be violative of the federal civil rights laws. The Supreme Court held unanimously, leave the church school alone. 
the right to autonomy. Isn't that powerful? Unanimously. Now, I'm not talking about something that was decided 500 years ago. I'm talking about something that was decided fairly recently with Justice Sotomayor and the late Justice Ginsburg in the majority. So these are principles that if we learn to deal with these principles and learn to articulate them, we can speak winsomely and powerfully into the culture uh, as well as, and what else can be done, Larry and Wendy? I'll tell you what can be done. There's so many wonderful groups that are out there defending religious liberty. We need to know who they are and we need to be supportive of them. Very good. Hey, Ken, just this week, I think it was, that it's reported that Biden has put together a commission to uh, look into the Supreme Court. And some of us are worried about that concept of court packing, which I, I guess FDR tried back in the late 1930s. Uh, is there a danger of them putting on a, just uh, a number of justices that would just support all the left leftist causes? I don't think it's going to happen. Famous last words, and we should be working against I said the same and... thing, so now I know that I'm in good company, Ken. Thank you for validating that thought. <laughs> well, but we might both be wrong, so we can't be overconfident. <laughs> I hope you're right. Uh, it's, it's a very dangerous idea. First of all, the Supreme Court, by all accounts, does its work effectively. It does its work efficiently. It works on time with very high professionalism, and they have disagreements, just like Congress has disagreements. Even families around the supper table are known to have disagreements, but they work their <laughs> way from time to time. <laughs> so, right. so, so let's, what's the problem? The problem is non-existent. The perceived problem is we don't like the results that the Supreme Court is handing down. And so, Wendy and Larry, that's FDR all over again. FDR didn't say, oh, the Supreme Court's too busy. He sort of said that, but he said that they really need some help. No one is saying, including no one on the Supreme Court, help, we're drowning in work, we need reinforcements. It's all because we, the progressive left, or they of the progressive left, don't like the results. And so, and so you get Chuck Schumer saying, outside the courts, of the video, you better watch out. Just a terrible <laughs> thing. You know, absolutely terrible thing. An unforgivable kind of act. But they just don't like the results. Yeah, you know, one of the reasons that I think uh, many of us agree with you that it's not ever going to happen. I mean, it's been over a century that it's been at the number that it is. Um, is true. Uh, Ex-President Trump uh, actually appointed one third of the current, <laughs> currently constituted Supreme Court. It's funny to think of it that way. But absolutely. I mean, the Democrats aren't going to be in power forever. And then, of course, if we have court packing, how, I mean, what, how many are we going to have? 30? I mean, as you know, you were a judge. I mean, it's hard enough when you have just a few people around the table to be able to make some of these decisions. Um, but we're, we're nearing the end of the show. And, you know, if people want to find out more about all the great work you're doing, I know you've got a huge Wikipedia page that like goes on forever. But is there a more um, focused place that we could draw our, our listeners and our viewers attention if they want to learn more about you and your books? Well, I've just encouraged them to get the book above all. I can't do social media because there are people out there who say naughty things. So <laughs> imagine that. So I was you know, if you... a long time ago. Don't go there. So yeah, just buy the book wherever books are sold and 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 uh, there's a lot of my autobiography in that book by the way because of yes. my privilege and blessing of arguing cases on religious freedom. I can't 
You know, you are, you've argued all those cases in front of the Supreme Court. I'm sure those naughty comments don't phase you one bit. But thank you so much for joining the show today. We greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. And, and Thanks, Larry. thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you so much to our listeners. Boy, you had a great show tonight. We were so privileged to have Judge Starr joining us. Uh, we want to wish you a wonderful, safe rest of your weekend. Please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy, Headlines with a Silver Lining. Have a great week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.